You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for some scolding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Misutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome into the latest edition of Inside Purple and Gold, Odyssey's new Minnesota Vikings podcast. We're here on Sunday, August 21st. Jace Frederick joined as always by co-host Dane Mizutani, my Pioneer Press cohort. Dane, you were there last night covering for the paper. Um, was it as electric inside the stadium as it appeared to be on TV with just nonstop action in Minnesota's 17-7 loss to San Francisco? Greatest football game I've ever seen. I was thinking the same. Life. Yep. I mean, Unbelievable. It's hard to argue otherwise. Unbelievable spectacle at US Bank Stadium last night. No, honestly, it was um it was hard to watch, but I think anyone who pays attention like to Twitter or the Vikings press releases or whatever, 90 minutes before kickoff, knew it was going to be pretty boring. Um, the Vikings sat 27 players, almost all their starters. The Niners followed suit. They sat 27 players, almost all their starters. Um, we can get into more takeaways later, um, but what stood out most of all was with Kirk Cousins sitting, with a lot of the starters on the offense sitting, this was a chance for Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond, one of the guys to separate themselves, maybe a chance for Kellen Mond to really get a leg up on Sean Mannion after you know, looking pretty good last week in, in the preseason game against the Raiders. They, they both kind of sucked. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I thought they did separate themselves in that – there is a level of NFL quality quarterbacks and they separated themselves as being below that. Uh, that was the separation that I saw. And we talked about this in the past, just you and I have about Kellen Mond and like, not to overly rip on the guy he's in his second year. Uh, but like when this guy was drafted, like that, that year I, I, there were so many quarterbacks. I was intrigued enough to like look at their college tape before the draft and whatnot. And I got all the way down to Kellen Mond and I was interested because, you know, second or third round pick, maybe, um, and his tape was terrible. I thought uh, a one rate quarterback. I wasn't impressed. I didn't think he had like was great in anything. Um, so when Minnesota took him, I thought, oh, that kind of seems like a wasted third round pick. That was the indication basically from mini camp through training camp on last year. Um, and that was anybody who was watching him. That was reporters seeing the reps in camp. Uh, the same sentiment throughout the year. And I think people so badly wanted to believe that it was just Mike Zimmer. Um, and his fault in the team being unable to, I don't know, can maybe support um, a young quarterback and help him grow. Mm -hmm. And maybe you were able to fool yourself into that after watching that Raiders game um, where he still, frankly, I don't think read the field very well, uh, <clears throat> made made a couple nice touch throws uh, 
and let a couple touchdown drives. So you could say, okay, I see something there. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it looked that great, but the numbers were good. Um, and there were a couple good plays. But last night was a train wreck. I mean, that was about as bad as you could get. He gets the opportunity to start. He makes terrible decisions. Um, wasn't that good outside of those terrible decisions that led to two interceptions. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't know how much is there, not maybe for forever, um, that he can't become a backup quarterback. I think that's a ceiling, but a backup quarterback. Not that he can't become that sometime in his career, but he doesn't look that close to being it right now. Not when you can rely on anyway, and I'm not sure what he would bring to that role that you would want. Not at all. I, I Before I dive in about Kellen Mond, I want to take everyone back to April 30th, 2021. It was the NFL draft day two. Everyone, I think, was clamoring for a quarterback. That was back yeah, if for anyone sure. can remember. Like any quarterback the Vikings took was going to be viewed as like, wow, this is a great pick because let's get Kirk Cousins out of town. Pick gets made right around 11 o'clock. Jace Frederick sends a text to me and our good friend, Chad Graff, who now covers the the Patriots for the athletic was working, uh, covering the Vikings at the time. He sends his text at 1115, April 30th, 2021 from the film. I watched on Kelamon last month. I can tell you he's absolutely horrible. (laughs) It sounds so harsh. It sounds really harsh, but let's be real. Like Jace, like, He's not a, a film grinder. No, like, he's not going to pretend like he is. But it, the fact that Jace was able to deduce this from watching, not highlights, because if you watch his highlights, like everyone looks good. No, just, it was like, a, there's good play by play film out there for like there a is. lot of college quarterbacks on YouTube if you want to look it up. Totally. And if you're just like someone who's bored in the NFL offseason and the Vikings might take a quarterback, like you can go look at the quarterbacks who exist in, in the draft prospect pool. Well, it didn't take a genius to realize Kellen not that great. Like even in, in college at Texas A&M when he was putting up big numbers because he was a pretty good college player, I guess, good enough to go in the third round of the NFL draft. Like the things that we're seeing play out at the NFL level played out in college. He was very slow to make decisions. He was very, very indecisive in the pocket. He loved to tuck and run. All of these things like – have shown up at the NFL level when the game is a lot faster, you know, a lot more physical, a lot tougher. The reads are harder. And we saw that last night, like Kellen Mond looked pretty good in the preseason opener against the Raiders. He looked bad against the Niners. I think his quarterback rating was like a 21 point something terrible um, through two God awful picks. um, Both of them. Like if he just puts more air under the ball and throws it on time, it, it could be a touchdown instead throws it late vastly under throws it at that. And then both are picked. So there's really nothing that Kellen Mon has done to show that, that you should feel comfortable with him as the backup quarterback this year. And the same goes for Sean Mannion. I know he was better last night, technically than Kellen Mon, but he was so, so, so uninspiring. Like he always is. And if he's your backup quarterback, I'll tell you what, most games are going to go the way that they did when he had to start against Green Bay last year. You're going to lose. You're going to lose because you can't do much with him at the helm. Yeah, I'm not grading on a curve um, with Sean Manning and saying, well, it looked better than Kellen Mond did. Kellen Mond didn't make, you know, Kellen Mond makes those egregious errors and Sean Manning didn't. But isn't that kind of the story? Like, yes, Kellen Mond is going to have a roller coaster and it's going to be a lot more down than up. 
Uh, and Sean Mannion's just going to be steady in the fact that you're going in a straight line, but that straight line is such a low bar that you're not actually going anywhere. Um, yeah, there's not going to be downs because there sure aren't going to be any ups. Um, there's no chances taken. It's just it's all dink and dunk, um, which you think gives you an opportunity to put the ball in the hands of your playmakers and let them do something. But as we saw in Green Bay, like when there's no vertical threat, um, when there's no pushing the ball down the field, uh, when there's no chances taken, it's it's pretty easy to defend you. Um, even against like a Dalvin Cook, a Justin Jefferson, everybody's rendered moot. You might as well have literally anybody out there at skill position players. It doesn't matter at that point. Um, just not a threat to do anything. The offense isn't going to go anywhere. I, if Sean Mannion starts an NFL regular season game, I don't see how you get to 14 points um, without Sands like a defensive touchdown. Um, and I, we've talked about this in the past. Like if Minnesota wants to call itself a contender, wants to see itself as a playoff team, wants to view itself as someone who can take down Green Bay to win the NFC North this year, mm-hmm. how do you roll in with the most important position, having your number two behind Kirk Cousins, be somebody who can't score. You um, can't. It's, you can't it's a, do that. It's an automatic loss. And we, we've we said this time and again, And because if you're listening and saying, well, it doesn't matter if Kirk Cousins gets hurt, the season's over. Yes. If Kirk Cousins tears his ACL and has to miss 12 games, the season is over. I have no... I'm not arguing with that whatsoever. It's if Kirk Cousins suffers a thumb injury and has to miss two, three weeks, do you lose those two or three games automatically? I think you do. If Kellen Mond or Sean Mannion's taking the snaps, um, you need somebody in there who's going to help you win one or two of those games. Who can say, okay, we don't have Kirk this week, but we're at home against Chicago. Significantly better roster than Chicago. Can someone guide the team to victory? Um, and that and that's really all it takes is who can make a couple big plays? Who can give Jeff, mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson two chances um, to take the game over? And right now, I don't think that guy is on the roster. And there certainly are teams that we've, you know, there are options out there. Um, teams that maybe you could trade a sixth round pick for right now to get that type of backup quarterback. Like, look at what Jackson, I mean, Philadelphia did last year. They traded, I think, a sixth round pick for Gardner Minshew. For Gardner um, Minshew. Yeah, and, and that, and Gardner Minshew, went in, uh, I think, against the Jets and th- just had an incredible day um, last year when Jalen Hurts was out to lead them to victory. And guess what? Philadelphia made the playoffs by one game. Um, mm-hmm. It means everything to have a quality backup. It's worth paying up for, whether that be in salary or draft capital. The Vikings, because of these cap stresses, have ignored it time and again. And it came back to bit them last, bite them last year. It'll come back to bite them this year. Almost certainly, like it just depending on your quarterback to be Iron Man is not a solution. Yet that seems to be the plan every single year, even when we see like it is there is nothing behind Kirk Cousins. There is nothing back there. And I'm just so sick of the Sean Mannion study buddy. Well, he makes Kirk think makes things easier for Kirk on Sunday. Great. Then have Sean Mannion on the roster. Do not have his name listed as QB2. Have somebody else in there who can help you win a game if needed. If Sean Mannion is such a good study buddy. Just like tell him to retire right now. You can go be an offensive consultant. You can be a head, you can be a whatever grad assistant, whatever position exists in that realm in the NFL. Just get off the team. Like you're not that good. And, and, and like if, look, Sean Mannion's a great person, nice, always been super respectful to the media, whatever. But like it, that doesn't absolve you from just not being that good at the, playing the quarterback position. And neither does being a good study partner for Kirk cousins. You have to, at the end of the day, if you want to be taken seriously, be able to play football. And right now the Vikings are employing a quarterback who can't really do that at a high level. If, if, if push comes to shove, I thought something that really telling to come out of last night was 
someone asked Kevin O'Connell after the game, straight up, how do you feel about your backup quarterback position? Like, do you feel like you might need to look at options outside of the organization? And while Kevin O'Connell didn't say yes, he didn't say no. And sure. that might seem like a, well, what? who cares? Like, if he felt super comfortable in Sean Manning or Kellen Mond, which it's clear that he doesn't, it's clear. Like, he would have just said no. Like, we're fine. We're riding with these guys. We feel good about what we have in the room. He didn't say that. He said, would we have liked to come? I have the quote actually right here. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because Kevin O'Connell is known for the filibuster. But The man writes books oh, with his press conference answers. Answer the question. Yeah. Ultimately, you would have loved to come out of the night feeling like, shoot, they both moved the team and scored a lot of points. And we have a heck of a hard discussion and conversation ahead as a staff and an organization. He said that, and then he went on to like talk about like every other position on the field as a way to basically deflect from the fact that, like, no, the backup quarterback, we don't feel comfortable about it. Um, he might not be on the roster. And like to your point earlier, Jace, if the Vikings want to be taken seriously, he should not be on the roster right now because the Vikings should be doing everything in their power to go find someone, anyone that they feel is better than, than Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond. And I would do it right now. I, I would be on the phone with maybe a Buffalo who has Case Keenum, who is maybe the best backup quarterback in the league. And everyone knows Case Keenum because of his time with the Vikings, but they have Matt Barkley. And I'm not saying Matt Barkley is good, but I think he would even be a better option than Kellen Mond or Sean Mannion. You have to go find someone if you're Quasi right now, because you want to give them an opportunity to play in week three of the preseason next week against Denver. You got to find someone. You got to do it quick. And we've mentioned this. There are many names out there, like Pittsburgh's got Mason Rudolph, who's played in many NFL games, um, who is going to be their QB3, likely behind Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. Uh, they're up and down. Sam Ellinger has been excellent in, in preseason for the Colts, who have Matt Ryan and Nick Foles. Like, that's just the thing. Like, when these guys are looking horrendous in the preseason, Dane, it is not, it does not take a great quarterback to look good in the preseason. Like, Kyle Slaughter is like the favorite meme for Minnesota Vikings football, say. right? Like that it's, it's, it basically is a meme at this point because this guy was not a good quarterback, not a quality NFL quarterback, not an option should not be signed here. We're not saying that by any stretch, but when he got reps in the second half of preseason games, he lit it up because that's what you're supposed to do against third team defenses. Like that's, that's what you should have. Those are the results you should achieve. If you are, have any ability whatsoever. And yet Sean Manning and Kellen Mond are making it look like, wow, I mean like these third team defensive players should be in pro bowls. Um, it's very alarming because if that's the case, then when you go out there in week four, Kirk Cousins has to miss a series, it's going to be handoff, 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 because you can't mm -hmm. risk doing anything else um, with those guys. And they're just like, I mean, the endless number of options that are out there of just teams that have better third quarterbacks. You touched on PJ Walker. I mean, I don't know if Matt Corral now getting hurt for the year. PJ Walker is officially the Panthers number three, but still could be an option. And we've seen him play much better NFL football than we've seen from these two um, currently here in Minnesota. Um, I've touched on Nick Mullins many times as the Raiders number three quarterback. Who's got experience doing that. Like there are just guys where you could trust them to say, we're probably the underdog now with those guys in there, but we could win this game. Um, and that's just not the case for anybody right now on this team. It's not the case for Kellen Mond. It's not the case for Sean Mannion. It, it's just setting yourself up for failure um, the second that one thing goes wrong. And that is not the way to approach any NFL season. All right, back for segment two of the Inside Purple and Gold 
podcast, Minnesota Vikings talk preseason game two. If you are enjoying this, please like, subscribe, follow this podcast on any platform in which you are listening to it. Dane, other takeaways from last night's game? I mean, it was ugly for sure, but you know, it was primarily ugly because of the quarterback position. And I feel like we went pretty deep into that there. Looking at other areas of the game, though, maybe what stood out to you? Uh, there's one person that stood out because sure. everyone else kind of sucked last night. Like there were snapshot moments from certain guys, right? Like a Caleb Evans was good. He, he's a, he's a rookie cornerback. He he was thrust into kind of a, a spotlight role with 27 players sitting out and Andrew Booth jr. Suffering an ankle injury looked like a knee injury at the time. It's an actually an ankle injury. So Vikings fans can kind of breathe a sigh of relief. looks like Andrew Booth jr. Will be fine um, in the grand scheme of things. Um, Caleb Evans stood out. I think he led the team in tackles. Brian Osamoa. We talked about him a little last week. I think off the air, I think me and you were just texting about him. The dude just flies around. He's a rookie linebacker. Um, but I, I won't get too deep into the weeds about these guys that if things go right this season, probably shouldn't be playing. One guy that maybe could play this year and could play a role. And I'm not saying he should play a huge role, but this guy continues to pop every time you see him. T.Y. McGill. He's an eighth year player, undrafted back in 2015 from. I think they started his career with the Seattle Seahawks and has played for like nine teams ever since. Like just is the constant NFL or the consummate journeyman who gets cut, gets signed by a practice squad, sees a game here or there, gets cut. Now he's on another practice squad, gets cut again. Well, the Vikings signed him to their practice squad last year, kind of late in the, in the season. And, and Quasey, when he got hired, gave this man a contract. Like said, okay, we, we we want him to be a part of the team, at least in some way, shape, or form. We want to see what he's about. So that was back in March when Quasey got hired. That that T.Y. McGill got his contract with the Vikings. And I'm going to be honest, I had no idea who this guy was at the time. I, I think it, he will always go down as the first player Quasey signs in, in his tenure with the G, as the Vikings GM. His first ever signing is T.Y. McGill. So when that news mo- breaks in March... Like, who is this guy? But all he's done through two preseason games is be the best player on the defense. And I, I'm not saying that, like, tongue-in-cheek. Like, he has been. Like, they haven't played their starters, and T.Y. McGill has popped every time you've seen him. Last night against the 49ers, he had finished with one and a half sacks. He was all around the field. There was a play early in the game where it was actually just kind of a bad play by by the San Francisco quarterback, he just like didn't have the, the count correct, but T Y McGill was able to time up the count and he was in the backfield. Basically as soon as the, as the ball was snapped, forced a fumble. And then that was a turnover. So that wasn't even a sack and he was making plays that were disruptive. He wrecked a lot of plays last night. And he's someone who I think continues to show that not only does he deserve a spot on the 53, he might deserve a spot in the rotation. And it is one of those things where sometimes we see in preseason games, hey, guys have, you know, a stand-up performance here or there, but then it's like, okay, that's not what they've done in camp. Um, you know, and you can step up and make a play, and that's notable when the lights are on or whatever. But if you haven't been putting together a good camp, good practices, one after another, it just doesn't mean as much. It's not going to hold as much weight in the eyes of the coaching mm-hmm. staff. That's not the case with T.Y. McGill. You can tell that in the way Kevin O'Connell talks about him. Last night he goes, yeah, he's one of the guys that flashed to me. He obviously wrecked multiple plays. 
It's the plays that don't register on the stat sheet. When you see him exploding through the line, forcing the back to bounce. Um, and he, it, O'Connell then said after that, like he's had a good camp and flashed in both games. Um, it's really cool to see a guy like that, you know, understand the outcome he may have and ultimately capitalize on it with performances like tonight. Like they're clearly very happy with him and what they've gotten from him. Yes, in the two preseason games, but also on a daily basis. Um, so you can tell they're comfortable with him. I think they'd be comfortable. Hey, somebody goes down. He's got to play a bigger role. I think you're right. He's maybe going into the rotation as guys need, you know, a break here or there throughout. Um, and it'll be interesting to see when those opportunities do come in the regular season. Is there still an impact made? Is he somebody where it's like maybe he found something, um, you know, maybe he figured something out um, to where he is now just a better player, not like a game breaker, but just a better player who can contribute um, on a week to week basis and not just against second stringers, but against the other, another team's best. Um, so that'll, that'll be interesting to see, but I totally agree with you. Like he was great again. It's one of those things where he's becoming almost like the new cult hero for Minnesota Vikings fans, mm-hmm. because you're watching all these terrible performances. And then he like catches your eye and it's like, wait, this dude's not atrocious. Um, T.Y. McGill. Yeah. What's his story? Uh, so those are fun to see. And he's certainly making his impact felt other downsides. Maybe last night in there, Amir Smith, Marset. I want to talk about him in a good way later. Uh, but here's a guy who punt returning doesn't have much experience with it. Minnesota seems to really be trying to shoehorn him into that role. Like, come on, like, don't be terrible. We want you as our punt returner. We want mm-hmm. you in the return game. We want to utilize your speed. Fumbles last night has had drops throughout camp. At some point, Dane, can you really like, don't you have to kind of veer away from this because you can't have him fumbling the ball, muffing punts, whatever the case may be in a regular season game where that can literally and often is the difference between a win and a loss. No, you can't have that. And you feel bad because you can tell, like, just talking to Amir Smith-Marset, he wants to do well. Like, he, he's like, they're giving me this opportunity. Like, I really want to take advantage of it. I believe he has, like, the, the dynamic, like, ability in the open field. If he does, whenever he does touch the ball, I think he's a guy who is a threat to take it to the house because sure. of his speed. But here's the thing about being a punt returner in the NFL. That's not your job. Like, yes, would every team want to have a Devin Hester on their team? Yeah. Like, everyone would want a guy who every single time they touch a punt return, they can they can house it. The most important job as a punt return in the NFL is to catch the ball. And not, not just to catch the ball, to make sure that it's not an adventure every time you have to catch the ball. Okay? And that just sounds so simple. Like, well, obviously, but like watch Amir Smith Marset. And I don't want to harp on the guy too much because like to his to be fair to him, he's never done this. Right. He, he didn't do it in college. He, he's he what he told me last week was, well, yeah, I worked on it in practice, but they never let me do it during games. Well, it's like, totally because like, yeah, it, it's just different when things are moving 100 miles an hour. He's never done it. He didn't do it in college. He hasn't done it in the NFL. Granted, he's only in his second year maybe there's growth there maybe at some point he can he can be as someone who you feel comfortable with you know as the punt returner but every time you watch him right now it's like is he gonna catch this like is he gonna muff this even the game against the Raiders last week AJ Cole Pro Bowl punter so like credit to him Amir Smith Marset was like 10 yards in front of where the punt landed because he couldn't judge it <laughs> off the foot right and like I guess sometimes like as a, you just tip your hat to the other punter and I'm like, yeah, that was a good punt. But 
he was so like far away from the ball and it's because he wasn't able to judge that thing right away and get under it. Same thing last night. Like he get, at least he caught it this time, but he was so excited when he caught the ball that he made the first guy miss again. Great thing. And then forgot to tuck it like high and tight, bud. like that's all you need to do. If you're the punt returner in the NFL, you should just catch the ball, make one cut, try and gain like five or six yards, maybe seven, eight, get down, let the offense get on the field. It's not about you. You know who made a career out of this? Marcus Sherrill. Right. He was one of the best punt returners in Minnesota Vikings history. And it's not because he had a Devin Hester-like impact. Like, yeah, he had seasons where he took a few back to the house and, you know, had his moment in the sun or whatever. But the reason Marcus Sherrill consistently made the team, the joke was like, Marcus Sherrill is like a cockroach. He can't die. Right. He was always like the 52nd, 53rd man to make the team because you could rely on him to catch the ball. He wasn't going to muff it. He was going to get you like six or seven yards. He was going to let your offense get on the field. The Vikings Dane, have not had someone since then. Dane, the guy was like, they did not want to play him in the secondary. Marcus Sherrill's like, they, you could tell like it, it would, the roster was ravaged when Marcus Sherrill's was finally getting like secondary snaps. He was literally on the team to catch a punt. Um, and I think a lot of NFL coaches, if it's like, Hey, would you sign up for a punt returner who's going to fair catch everything um, and is just yes. going to make the right decisions as far as when to let a ball bounce inside the tent and when to fair catch it? That's all they're going to do. You're not going to get any return yards all season. They would say, yes, absolutely. No muffs for sure. Um, and that's all you're looking for. And like you said, I think you're getting to this point when I cut you off. If Smith Marset, if I was watching him take reps in practice and they're not putting him in the game to do so, they probably saw the same thing. And if right. it's not good enough for the University of Iowa, why is it good enough for the Minnesota Vikings? And, hey, I'm all for experimenting. Like, hey, we see this guy. He's got speed. We think there could be something there in the return game. It could be a big boost for us on special teams. Give it a shot for sure. But now there's enough evidence. Like, we've seen it. This can't be the plan heading into the regular season. You've got to get somebody else, um, maybe who has a pedigree doing it at this point because the time for experimentation is over. Um do you have any names on the current roster where you think, okay, that guy could do it? And you know, it's not, it's not like a, a big flashy name. It's not going to be, lead to these insane results, but should be solid if that guy's back there. Yeah, here's my theory, and it's funny because like Amir Smith Marset is probably not going to be the punt returner when this when the season starts. But the other name that's the backup punt returner on their depth chart in the depth chart in the preseason is so silly. Worthless, like, yeah. It's not really the depth chart. But right now, the second punt returner is Jalen Naylor. And he was worse than Amir smith set last night because yeah. there was one ball that he could have just – it was like a sky ball punt. And it, I think it touched down at like the 12. And Jalen Naylor had a ton of time to go get under it. And yep. he just ran away from the ball. And it was like – Fire, fire, fire. Everyone scatter. Even though I probably should have caught this ball. That ball rolled down to the one-yard line. Yep. And it's like, it, it. all you have to do is catch it. Catch it. So at least, Amir Smith-Marset fumbled, but at least he caught the ball. At least he knew where it was going. Jalen Naylor had no idea where that ball was. Who do I think is going to be the punt returner on the team this year? My theory is that it's going to end up being K.J. Osborne. He did it as a rookie. Last year, they had D.D. Westbrook, so K.J. Osborne right. wasn't needed. Um, I don't think they're going to bring D.D. Westbrook back. He's still a free agent. So, like, if if that's someone, like, if you're just betting on long shots in Vegas, like prop bets, this is not a real bet that exists. Like, who's going to be the Vikings' part right. returner this year? D.D. Westbrook would be a good money bet because 
he's still sitting out there. He was the punt returner last year. But jokes aside, he's not going to be the punt returner. The Vikings have too many receivers. They want to right. keep it's already going too much of a depth position to bring somebody back. Yeah. And and DD Westbrook, frankly, wasn't that good at it last year. Like he I guess he caught the ball, so that's good. But it's gonna be KJ Osborne, I think. I think they have tried to, to experiment with the Mir Smith Marset a little bit with Jalen Naylor because KJ Osborne could have a big role in the offense this year. I Huge. think he's someone he's kind of flying up flown under the radar on like a national scale, but locally people realize like this guy can ball. And in, in an offense that is going to probably somewhat resemble the Rams because of where Kevin O'Connell came from, the number three receiver is important in, in that offense. And I think KJ Osborne is going to have a pretty big season this year, easily the best season of his career because of the offense he's in now. All that being said, I think the Vikings don't want their number three receiver who could be an important part of the offensive cog to be catching punts because it's not the safest position for your starters. There's a reason like superstar players don't return punts. Like if you put Justin Jefferson back there, I'm sure you'd get a dynamic play, you know, once every, you know, 10, 15 opportunities, the Vikings just don't used, do it. The Vikings used to do it with Randy Moss in like desperate situations. Like, okay, right. we need a play here. Let's put Randy 84 back there. The Chiefs used to do it yeah. with Tyreek Hill. It's like, yep. okay, like we'll do it because we need a touchdown or we need a big play. But you don't put your starters back there because the guys can get hurt. They're flying 100 miles an hour right at you and you're just kind of alone on an island. Um, but no one's proven themselves. It's going to be KJ Osborne if I had to guess. Um, if it is Amir Smith Marset, look out. I I think you're kind of shaking in your boots if you're a Vikings fan for, for September 11th. One thing to note, Marcus Sherrill's, he's only 34. <laughs> I'm kidding, but he's only 34 years old. Maybe he can catch some punts. It, it's definitely like if you don't value special teams as an organization – it's going to bite you. Like totally. it, it, if you don't, if you ignore this punt return thing, say, eh, it's good enough. I'm sure he'll figure it out. Like you're going to lose a game because of it. And that could again, be the reason why you missed the playoffs. It could kind of send your season off the rails. You can't have that. Um, there's too much else going on. You have to put reliable people back there. If it's KJ Osborne, just tell him, Hey, don't return it. We don't want you getting hurt doing this. We just want you catching the ball so mm-hmm. that you can get back out there for the next offensive snap. And we're not sending our defense back out there after they just got to stop. Um, I agree with you. KJ Osborne is a huge cog for this team. Even Van Jefferson had 800 yards for the Rams last year. KJ Osborne is a better player than Van Jefferson. Um, mm-hmm. And KJ Osborne, frankly, also when you have a guy like Adam Thielen, where there are injury concerns there. Um, KJ Osborne, as we saw last year, is very capable wide receiver number two. Like He's super important to what they're going to do. But you can't just ignore special teams. You can't. Um, because we've seen too many games lose too, too many teams, lose too many important games because of that. So you you have to put enough importance on it. And if all you're doing is saying, KJ Osborne, go back there and fair catch the ball, I don't think you're putting him at too much risk there as far as what you are risking for potentially losing games if you throw somebody who's so unproven and frankly proven to the wrong direction um, like they have right now. Other notes, I guess, uh, you talked about boost ankle injury. That doesn't sound like anything. Um, Not really much to come out of the game. No, yeah, like no. uh, the biggest takeaway from the game aside from quarterbacks and, and punt return and, and T Y McGill, you, you mentioned Andrew Booth jr. I think you feel like you probably dodged a bullet there because yep. whenever a guy, it, it was a non-contact injury. Like 
he clearly just rolled up in his ankle. There, there was a video circulating Twitter that you could see how he kind of got banged up in the background. Um, but anytime a guy's just walking and then comes up lame, like it almost always feels like knee to me, like, or some sort of soft tissue. So the fact that the Vikings got out ahead of it and announced ankle, and I saw Andrew Booth yesterday, he stayed on the bench. If it's an ACL tear, you're probably going back to the locker room. Um, I saw him in the locker room yesterday, a little limp, but talking to Kevin O'Connell yesterday, it sounds like he's going to be okay. So overall, you know, I don't know. I think he he's going to be okay to, will he be ready week one? Who knows? Cause that's in like 20 days, 15 days, but he could, he, I don't think it's like anything that's going to keep him out long-term, which is good news because I think Andrew Booth is someone that the Vikings fans want to see. And I think he's someone that the coaching staff has high hopes for this year. Also coming out of last night, post-game comments, Kevin O'Connell, Irv Smith Jr. expected back on the practice field this week. That's huge. We think he's going to be a pretty big piece of this Vikings offense as well. He's another kind of game breaker. And when you can have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, and Irv Smith on the field, well, that's four legitimate threats in the passing game. Uh, Minnesota doesn't have like great options behind Irv Smith, especially not this year. Uh, It's important that he's back and it all indications really do seem like he's on track for week one. All right, back for our final segment of Inside Purple and Gold here on Sunday, August 21st. Here with Dane Mizutani as we break down the Vikings on Odyssey's new Vikings podcast. Please like, follow, subscribe to this podcast on any platform, any of your favorite platforms. You can find it. Dane, we're going to go back to kind of a Vikings tradition at this point. Um, it's been often talked about for, I feel like, maybe a decade plus. The mm-hmm. Mr. Mankato Award. It's it's kept the same name, even though the variations, they don't practice. They don't have training camp in Mankato anymore. It's in Egan. <laughs> Nobody calls it Mr. Egan. Um, but you know it. I think it was started by 1500 ESPN. Um, and it was kind of basically this who has been like the maybe unsung hero or guy who emerged out of training camp, early preseason, whatever. So we're going to call it, we're going to call this at least in our own race here before preseason game three, uh, because I do feel like a lot of determinations are made by this point, but who for you, and I guess maybe also break down the parameters of who can and can't be picked quickly. Who are you going with? Who maybe are a couple guys who you think fit into this category? I'll break down the qualifications because the man who should win Mr. Mankato, if it was just who's the best player in training to come out of training camp or the preseason, it's T.Y. McGill. We talked a lot about him last segment. He's been the best player on the defense. Probably speaks more to the fact that they're not playing a lot of top-tier talent on the defense, but T.Y. McGill in his own right has been outstanding. He does not qualify for Mr. Mankato because you have to be a third year or less in, in the NFL as far as experience goes. T.Y. McGill is in his eighth year, so he doesn't count there. And you can't be an established NFL player. And that's kind of, I think that's just like when you see it, you know it. But like yeah. like someone, even like Greg Joseph, I don't think he can win Mr. Mankato. And, and if a kicker is winning Mr. Mankato, it probably speaks to how crappy your preseason and, and training only, camp was. Only in Minnesota could a kicker even be up for this <laughs> because it'd be like, he's making his kicks. And only right. in Minnesota is that like, news is that like right. a big worthy accomplishment it's the expectation everywhere else here it's like this is huge this could be something really big like greg joseph wow right so he he he'd probably win if he was like a rookie kicker who came out of nowhere but he while he's not established as far as like being a household name we all know who greg joseph is he's had a couple seasons 
kicking a couple in the seasons, yeah. and he was their kicker last year. Can't be Mr. Mankato. Same with KJ Osborne. He won last year. Um, and he's someone like we just talked about. He's going to have a huge role in this offense this year. He's been outstanding in training camp, but he's too, he's too good. He's too well-known. So Mr. Mankato has to be someone who basically is a no-name that comes out of nowhere and, and makes the team. My leading candidate, and he didn't do much last night to, to kind of help my cause, but he did score a touchdown. Ty Chandler, and he had a great preseason week one against the Raiders. He's looked awesome in practice as far as like when he's gotten touches. Even in practice, the Vikings have been limiting Dalvin Cook's reps, even Alexander Madison's reps to a degree. It's pretty obvious Kevin O'Connell has, you know, an eye towards player safety and player health, which is great. That's I think that's what you want out of your head coach. But because of that, Ty Chandler's gotten a lot of reps in training camp. And it's what you've seen in the games you've seen in the practices. He runs really, really hard. He's a downhill guy and he's got some speed when he gets into the open field. You saw that against the Raiders. You did not see that against the Niners last night because I think he finished like 19 yards. Um, But the Vikings all around could not run the ball yesterday. So I don't know if that's more play calling. I don't know if that's more who you have blocking. Like the fact that you started your second string O-line probably got to your third string, some of your fourth stringers your running game might just inherently look bad because of that. But Ty Chandler did score a touchdown. So I'll take that feather in the cap for, for his, his Mr. Mankato campaign. It's hard for me to ride too hard for the guy after a 19 yard rushing performance last night, but he, I think is, is still the leader in the clubhouse right now. I agree with you. And first off, just if you're listening to this podcast saying like, Hey, I didn't watch the game last night. What did I miss? Like, and you're wondering how much we basically said nothing. Um, Here is who all sat. Last night, Cam Dantzler, Dalvin Cook, Patrick Peterson, Kirk Cousins, KJ Osborne, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith, Cameron Bynum, CJ Hayab, Jaden Sullivan, Eric Kendrick, Zadarius Smith, Garrett Bradbury, Jordan Hicks, Chris Reed, Christian Derrissaw, Ezra Cleveland, Jesse Davis, Brian O'Neill, Julian Taylor, Irv Smith, Dan Chisina, Johnny Munt, Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, Daniil Hunter. So if you're wondering who you missed, you missed everybody because they weren't on the field. You missed nothing, literally nothing. Um, but you're wondering who's left. That was that's exactly the question of who is left. Uh, but I I'm still with you. That was still my top choice as well. Frankly, um, we'll get to other names as well. But Ty Chandler and yeah, the five for nineteen isn't super impressive. I was still like his touchdown run. I was like, okay, there's a good pile push. Um, you know, like I he does just run hard. You can just I think there's something there. I had a friend who doesn't watch the Vikings, but just had the game on last night and thought, said like, even with five for 19, he said, is that Ty Chandler? Like, he's a player. Um, And I think that kind of stands out and it's valuable because I don't know what it's going to mean for his role this year. Um, But you and I have talked about this in the past. Like Alexander Madison's probably not on this team in 2023. And I think Ty Chandler is putting himself in a pretty good position to at minimum be this team's backup running back in 2023. Um, We both think Alexander Madison is stuck on this roster for sure this year Um, as much as anything, because I don't, not many two teams are like out hunting for backup running backs where they'll trade anything of value regardless. Um, But Ty Chandler, I think is a good option for this team to back up Dalvin cook moving forward um, beyond this season. And I think he's made a strong case for that. Every time you see like a burst there, you see how hard he runs. Um, and that's kind of what you're looking for out of that position. And along with kind of being well-rounded in the receiving game and, and in pass protection as well. Yeah. I think the main thing to come out of preseason when, when you just kind of take a step back is like who pops 
right? Yeah, because right. it's too hard to evaluate. Well, how would this guy have looked if you know he got to play with the ones, or like if he was playing with like not third stringers, would he look better? It's just like who stands out. It's let's go back to the old good old eye test. You're right. Ty Chandler's passed the eye test. Agreed. And I think that's like what you you glean from the preseason. Who like let's each pick a guy like a dark horse guy now because I think right now like Ty Chandler's going to probably win Mr. Mankato by default. Um normally receivers like are just like a trendy pick in this area because like by the position they play, like they get the biggest plays, they can pop the most and you know in the short amount of time. You got anyone? Because I got one kind of off the wall. I, I won't go receiver. Um, do you have anyone that that kind? I, I think you kind of teased it earlier in the I segment. did. Yeah, I actually like as much as we just um, basically ripped on his punt returning and inability to do so. I really like what we've seen from Amir Smith Marsmith set as far as being a receiver. Um, as far as you can see the explosiveness, you can see the ability to get open. Um, when he's on the field, he draws the football. The football finds him um, because like the way to get targets in the NFL is to get open. Um, and the best receivers get open so they get the ball. When he's been on the field, granted, he hasn't been playing next to KJ Osborne, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. And I don't know how many reps he'll see. Um, but I, as far as just being a second year receiver, I think he has really flashed um, the ability to do these things, to get open, to draw the football. He's got talent at that position. When he gets the ball in his hands, he's explosive too. Um, I, I think every time he's on the field, he kind of stands out to me. Um, and I, Again, with all these guys, I don't know what that will mean for this season. But the fact that he basically has been a special team's kind of liability and is like a roster lock, I think shows what they think about him at the receiver position as well. Yeah, I think he's starting to separate himself from BC Johnson for that that number four receiver spot. BC has more experience. Right. He's also coming off an ACL. Mir Smith Marset's just more dynamic. And while you probably something went wrong. If he's having to play a huge role in your offense this year, someone in very important got hurt. I think he brings a different element, a different wrinkle that you're starting to see play out in games. When he gets the ball, he looks like he can score. Um, as long as he's not your punt returner, my off the wall kind of name. And, and like, I'll just be straight up and say, this guy's not going to win. Um, but we're digging here. We're digging here because there's not a there's not a ton of of top tier names. It's actually one of the more boring Mr. Mankato oh boy competitions in 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 years past. Brian Osamoa is the guy I I think could get into the conversation. Like if we're talking Heisman, like like when guys get to the Heisman from a small school, that's like a win by themselves. Like they're not going to win, but if they get to go to the ceremony. They basically won the Heisman. Like yeah, in they're in mind. New York. They were a winner. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you go, like when Colt Brennan, RIP, love that guy. When when he got to go to the Heisman ceremony, like for Hawaii, it was like he won the Heisman, right? Like that's Brian Osamoa could could put himself in the Mister Mankato ceremony, I guess. If if that doesn't exist, but if it did, and it's because he flies around, it's really hard as a defender or a defensive player to kind of win Mr. Mankato. Cause you just like the plays that you make are kind of just like, well, you should have done that. Like you should have made that tackle, but in both preseason games. Now, Brian Osamoa has made plays that have just jumped off the screen. And then it goes back to what we were talking about. Ty Chandler, like 
if you're popping off the screen, like you're doing a good job in preseason. And in Brian Osamoa plays the linebacker position at 150 miles an hour. And he's constantly downhill. He makes a decision and he goes. Sometimes he makes the wrong decision and he goes and he makes it at 150 miles an hour, which is fine. I'd rather a guy do that than like, you know, patty cake his way through the, you know, the line and, and, and get run over. Like if he's making the decision, he's overrunning the play, which is fine. If he has a big week three, uh, you know, against Denver, I think he's someone you could be like, he's not going to win, but like, wow, he's had a really good camp. And he, it would need to be like, he has two sacks or he forces a fumble or he intercepts a ball. So I, I, I preface this whole entire rant with like, basically he's not going to win which is not a very good way of like campaigning for a guy, but he's not going to win, but he's, he's had a really good camp so far. And I think with a big game, a couple big highlight splash plays, he's someone we could at least consider in the conversation. Yeah. And this doesn't mean anything like this isn't like an official award. You win anyway. Um, this is no. just totally like who's had a good training camp. Um, it's fun. I, the Brian Asamoa, I do think it's important that, He's definitely made splash plays. I don't know how comfortable a team would be putting him out there in a regular season game. No. Uh, frankly, like I, that's just a little side note here. At linebacker depth, I don't think is very good for Minnesota. Just seeing these other guys um, in these last couple games, I have not been convinced that if the starters go down there, that Minnesota is still in good shape. Frankly, no, Troy died. I, he ain't it. Like I don't. No, no. I don't. I've never seen anything out of Troy Die to think like, wow he's going to be a player in the league. I think Osamo is going to be a player in the league. I just think he's too green to do it's going it to take right time. now. I agree. Yeah. Yep. Like I think down the road, we could be looking at him as like, yeah, he's a good player. Um, if he's playing this season, I think you're in trouble. Um, because like I said, he's going to make his mistakes. He's going to make them at hundred miles an hour. But if you make those mistakes at hundred miles an hour against the number one starters and, and, and things like that could go for big plays. Yep. And it, it's, you left a huge opening exactly Correct. so uh, yeah other name i had written down uh he's a third round pick but at the end of the third round so i don't really think he qualifies but uh patrick jones i i just think that he's a guy who's proven that maybe they need depth at the edge rushers because the two guys they have there while incredibly gifted are also injury prone and maybe he's somebody who's proven hey like we can plug him in there and still get some production yeah i i, I like that the year i forgot to mention that criteria you have to be a third round picker or, or lower so. so he is a third and i feel like that's kind of cheating as well um i like going later than that but yeah yeah this he, year he's you gotta, too. He, he, he's looked fine like at, at times he's looked like he's someone who could rotate in and, and have a role um it's a little bit cheating like you said uh, but he, he he it is he's part of the criteria so he he would count technically all right uh that's all we have for today's episode we'll be back this week looking forward to I guess the Vi the Vikings final preseason game uh, in Denver next Saturday maybe more of a celebration that the preseason is almost over uh, we'll get to a bunch of other topics as well not so much preseason related because I think I can speak for everybody when it's like I think we've had enough of the preseason um, certainly they will play this final game but just not a whole lot to get out of these as we're finding out as fewer and fewer impact players play I know Dane has a preseason rant that he would like to get to and we will get to that this week as well um, you can look forward to that moving down the line here and if you want to make sure you catch that like subscribe follow this podcast on any plat podcast platform uh, for inside purple and gold thanks so much for listening I'm Jace Frederick he's Dane Musitani goodbye